No. Kiki, do you love me? Oh, really? Are you riding? <laughs> yeah, so I think I definitely did that dance that night. Yeah. I remember that, but I don't remember much else. Maybe like, this is it. Oh, my. <laughs> show me this after. I don't want to do video talk during the show. No, I know. I don't have the sound yeah. up, but I'm going to send it to you. No, but I, I, that just that is a reminder that I never got any photos from this thing. I badgered him about not coming to this thing, too. I, here, here's what I'll say in your defense. Uh-huh. I was very much like, you know, you you've go to some of these corporate events, and it's a pain in the ass. Mm-hmm. And this is this was nice. This was and actually like this is nice. No, and the ones that was, I've been like to, I, said, I would have been real... there if I didn't have to wake up at four twenty in the nah, morning. But you're, you're what? Thing... No, no, no. I, they, I have receipts, man. I usually go to this thing. We've been together. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. I'm just saying that this to me is a you're in for a penny, you're in for a pound. Like if this was, if you would have been like, tomorrow, oh, you're in rough shape today. No, no, but I would say that I'm operating at not a hundred percent. Okay. I, here's here's the thing that happens to me at every single Christmas party. Uh-huh. This is every. I've done the exact same formula. I'm actually the most predictable person on earth. I don't know if I'm going to go. I don't know if I'm going to go. I don't know if I'm going to go. All right, I should go. I should go. I should go. All right, I get there. I get there. I'm like, oh, this sucks. I knew this would be bad. I hate this. All right, I'm talking to people that I don't want to have conversations with. And then, yeah, and then three, and then I have the first beer, and I'm Uh like, oh, this is nice. You know, it's all right. Okay, I hear the speech. All right, it's pretty good. Rousing. Um, everything I'm moving forward. I'm like, okay. Uh, like actually speech was good this year. Um, but like, cause you and I have the famous worst speech. Mm-hmm, yes, Remember, that yeah. we'll never speak. Yeah, about. I know. But we did. We had, we had that one speech that was like the funniest thing that has ever happened at mm-hmm. any Christmas party. Um, I get the second one. Now I'm starting to like really mm-hmm. talk. And now all of a sudden there was the good. Third one, well, it was I'm good sure because I landed on the baseball time. guys for a little while and you and I are going to do some baseball stuff. And there was a lot of hot baseball talk. You know, I was talking with Shy. I was talking with Blair. I was in Ben Nichols. I was in the hot, the the heart mm. of the the baseball operation, mining all the like, you mm. know, just like a little goblin all in there. Secondhand insider yeah, stuff. Yeah, like, yeah. If, are you an insider? If you talk to the insiders and you get inside scoop from the insiders who are getting it from the the real insiders. Here's what I will say: I drank a lot last night, and I pitched fake trades to. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Dude, I, oh my god! I, I was pitching There's fake. A- I was pitching fake <laughs> trades to I'm basically this is the thing. I'm just a sleeper cell. I'm just a fan. I'm I was a, just gonna say it's like I, this is a sports yeah. ad internal. Like yeah. all these people yeah. have been in yeah. this business for 20 years, and it's like, yeah, w- w- would a regular old sports fan love to be at one of these dude. parties? But they don't come dude, because like nobody to wants to be. But that's you. You were you infiltrated the sports ad party. Bro, I was talking to Blair, and we were just having some conversations about his career, mm-hmm. and it's just like, he's been sports writing since he was 18. Mm-hmm. He's like a real bona fides. Like he has done the work. He has mm-hmm. been everywhere. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, here's a fake trade <laughs> that I made. I was trained on hockey reference, oh you know. This. So I was pitching fake trades to them. They hated them all. Actually, <laughs> Blair kind of liked Blair and I were a little aligned on the on potentially trying to trade for Soto. Mm-hmm. But of course. Who I mean, who doesn't want one Soto? There was a lot of hot Otani talk, and then there was uh and then the basketball guys showed up, saw Will and Alex mm-hmm. and Grange, mm-hmm. and I was like, here's my Siakam trades. <laughs> just line, I've already been on the trade machine. I got all my stuff lined up. We had some fun. It was a good time. Grange just slipped into his most recent pieces. Like, I don't see colors so well. Like, what was that? I didn't like, know that. Yeah, he just slipped I in. I he was talking about the, the in-season tournament courts, and he's yeah. like, yeah, I don't know. It doesn't bother me because I don't see colors so well. It's like, Grange, you Dude. colorblind? It's an interesting way to bring that to light. I, 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 Grange is one of my favorite guys ever. Yes. He's one of the best legend. dudes. Yeah. Like, actually, one of the best dudes. I so mean, he's a very... legend in, it, like, his pickup basketball league for some of the... Every, but that's the thing. He's just, yeah, he's a, he's an 
He's an all-around, what, what do they call it? Renaissance man. He's a renaissance man. <laughs> he can do it all. Yeah. I, I don't know. He's a man. I just had a blast. It was a really, mean, really fun and time. And you, you bought one of his books, right? You, you, you have a, one of his Maple Leaf books in your I apartment. Did buy, I actually didn't buy that. My dad bought me that. Okay. And I told you, I, when I first met him, I was like, you suck. You blame the fans. <laughs> <laughs> that was my uh, first question when he showed up at my college for free to speak. I was like, first question, why do you suck? <laughs> Why do you blame the fans? <laughs> and at that moment, he's like, ah, it's all yeah. right. I'll never have to interact yeah, with exactly. this kid ever yeah, again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Little did he know. Little did he know I would drive him to the brink mm-hmm. multiple times. Oh, yeah. I've seen it. His cre- yeah. I've done it to everybody, though. That's true. The list is long. Yeah. Some notable people. Yeah. <laughs> Some people that you had, I'm sure, like, fine little conversations yeah. with yesterday. Like yeah, but that's the thing. It, hey, I, someone you're having it, a fine conversation with right now. Here's the thing. Either <laughs> either it drives us to the brink and then we don't speak anymore. Yeah. Or it drives us to the brink and then we're tight as hell. Yeah. Okay. That's really the way. It's that's the crucible. It's yeah. A, it's, it's a, a way crucible you, of you test me. people. That's yeah, true. it is. It is. No, I, I stress test you, stress test you, stress test you. And if you break, I'm like, ew, garbage. And if you're, I'm like, yes, yeah, the best. I really think it's the best way. <laughs> I, personally, I, oh, I'm highly invested. I don't know. Way. I just try to be nice all the time. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you're so good at that. No, agreeable. you're notoriously nice. Yeah. Um, no, you're agreeable. Not? Yeah, you're agreeable. But I like try in a to snivelly, be nice. But like in a snivelly way. What? Like suck up way? Yeah, yeah. You're not like a fun, oh man, that guy's so nice. He's so fun guy. Yeah. You're like a, oh yeah, hello. Oh, I don't oh, sound yeah, like Yeah, you kind of do, you snivelly guy. <laughs> you make sniffles, yeah, which is different than snivels. No, yeah, but I'm saying you're snivelly. You gotta, you're snivelly. Yeah, see, Arvin shook his head. He was like, yeah, that's bad. No, yeah. He did. Know, he did. He, just, he was like, man, no. that, you hit it. <laughs> <laughs> you tapped into the right thing. Anyway, all right, let's move on. Uh, that's enough Christmas party talk. But yes, I enjoyed it. I had a mm. blast. And I hope that everybody's holiday parties are as good as ours. And yeah, and not just... on a Tuesday, because then I could have gone if it was on like Saturday. Oh, I know yeah, it's no. tough. Should have all tough. been for you. You're just tired all the time. Yeah, like, well, again, that's true. Yeah, yeah, obviously. That's what I mean. If this would have been the one day where you got to have your beauty sleep, and you're like, man, my kids, they're staying at their grandma's house, and I mm-hmm. get to have the bed to myself or something. My wife's at a conference. I'd have uh-huh. gone like, yeah, don't go there. But it's just like all oh, run of the mill. Like you've come to baseball games with me during the middle of the week. During the show? Not since I've been doing the morning show. When did you... I thought you started the morning show at the very end of... Like the Rangers? Honestly, were... I couldn't tell you 100%. Yeah, it feels like say, a month. You're in a fog. I've probably done the morning show for a month. Yeah, I, you're couldn't, in a full fog. I couldn't tell you definitively. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was it's definitely like, October at some point. I was going to say, the morning show, imagine me. I did the morning show during COVID mm-hmm. where you'd be at home and I was like... I, I literally was beautiful mind writing on the chalkboard like is time real what is <laughs> yeah. what day is it in oh, my well, underwear here's the thing when you take long naps like I do like two yeah. hours it's like yeah, what yeah. is that's not that different from the sleep I take at night I do but the alarm is only like it's extremely like if I wanted to sleep up until my my alarm is just like I have to get up I have to make yeah. sure I pick up my kid at yeah. three o'clock so if I slept I I could get conceivably like yeah. four hours of sleep when I get home and I don't yeah. do that, but yeah, it's long enough that I'm like, yeah, the day is just, it's made up of four parts. It's not two parts. It's four parts. It, who the hell knows? Mm-hmm. And especially when it's dark all the time. No, there is no delineation of time. You know, uh, no, nah, you know what? I'm done with Christmas party talks. I was going to say that it's when you're at a big company and you're bad with you're names like it. me, you're, you are doing the Christmas party talk. Well, it's yeah. just, I, I was going to, my I'm question was going to, my names, question to you is going to be what, what do you think the best thing is about a Christmas party? And what do you think the worst thing is? 
Yeah, no, the worst thing is the thing you hit on, like, When you get stuck on someone and, and, even, and they're like, like, how are you? And they know everything about you. And like, many, you... many years ago, at one, actually, one of these Christmas parties, like, I knew Luke Fox. We'd come on the radio. But I was like, and I was like, hey, Luke. And then I there, thought so. he said something like, who are you? Like, what's your name? But it, I, it wasn't that. But there was, like, this, the most awkward interaction I've ever had. And none of us knowing exactly what's going on. But, yeah, that that's the type <laughs> of interaction that is a nightmare for me. It's like... Hey, do I know your name? Am I confident yeah. enough to come to the conversation with your name? Ooh, yeah. Do you know my name? Do you know who I am? Do mm -hmm. I sound like a jerk if I'm like, hey, I just assume you know who I am because I'm such a big deal. You know, yeah. oh, it's the morning show. But no, no, no you, the people reason people know who you are is because you're the loudest guy at the party. And then once you do two IPAs, <laughs> your head starts bobbing and you're screaming <laughs> on top of people. And they're like, who is this guy? And they're like, <laughs> Can he his leave? name is Ben Ennis and he's the loudest human being on earth. Uh, anyway, uh, the two loudest people on earth, my sister, when she used to answer the house phone when we were kids, <laughs> okay. I'd be like, hello? She, hello! Oh. Just scream, and then no one would be, ever be there. No one would call our house because our sister <laughs> killed Smart everyone. Boom. She sonic boomed everybody <laughs> that showed up and called our house. And you at a Christmas party at two by IPAs. Those are the two loudest <laughs> things on earth that have ever been recorded, is just to let you know. Anyway, I can't disagree. Uh, okay, so did you see the Jeff Passon thing on Otani? Because you and I are big in the Otani. There's thing. another Passon thing from today? No, like, he I've said, seen he every Passon on. thing on Otani. This is a minor how thing. The, the other teams are punished if they yes. make stuff? Yeah that, was, yeah, that was the original report where it's like, okay. Jays are going to do something big. Yeah, but okay, this is my favorite thing. So he's like, teams meeting with Otani, he will hold it against them if those meetings are reported or yes. leaked in any way. Yeah. The validity, I'm sure there is some validity of this. This does feel a little bit like an empty threat, right? Of course, if something got out with Otani and they outlined the entire, like, remember when mm -hmm. they tried to get Steve Nash here and we knew exactly what the video presentation was like? Mm -hmm. or like, and then yeah, they did this. Like, it came out, it's like, Otani is, yeah, you know, he told some personal piece of yeah, information yeah, yeah, yeah. that gets yeah, leaked there, out. I think that there would be a point, but the idea that if it got out and he was in a city, right, mm -hmm. and they were offering the most money, he thought he was going to win a World Series there, and he's like, nah, you know what? Turn, you blew it! Yeah, you're done. <laughs> But it made me think about how people blame the media in this city for a lot of things mm -hmm. and how I disagree as a member of that side. I, dis <laughs> I respectfully disagree. Uh -huh. Also, it's a complete lack of perspective thing. Like, go listen to stuff from other places anyway. Um, like, Baltimore suspended their play-by-play -play guy because he yeah. was like, hey, they lost to this team one time. <laughs> They're like, oh, you're fired, basically. Kevin Brown, but yeah, not yeah. that Kevin Brown. Yeah, but... Um, do you think this makes it less fun for us? Because, because okay, let's I had a say experiment. For yeah, me, that's what I was gonna say. Like, let's say you got the scoop. Okay, I love this. Let's say you got the Otani scoop. Because this reminds me of the end of like Gone Baby Gone. Is it like yeah, you know, your principles as you know a journalist, you have to report the truth. But what if? Yeah. Like, what if? But that's what I'm saying. But this is for all of us now. Mm -hmm. Because let's say mm -hmm. you, it was gonna happen. Mm -hmm. Would you, as a fan, would you, would you want to know? Like. No, right? You have to just seal it in the box. You, I, you gotta... I would. I, I, I've never broken a scoop before in my life. I've had, like, again, like, I get my inf inside information the same way you do, talk to the actual insiders, and some of them aren't active in the media. So Don't compare like... yourself to me, but yeah. <laughs> so like... mine's a little better than yours. I disagree. Okay. But uh, I, I've never broken a scoop, Yeah, and that would be the scoop to end all scoops, but it also would be, like, the scoop to end all scoops, like, you're you're excommunicated from the Toronto community if, in fact, it was proven that that was, you were, like, the Canadian Tire guy who 
it kept Steven Samkos from yeah. signing with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Like, yeah. there's, there's a reason why we haven't found that, or we don't remember that guy's name. Like, he changed his name. Guy. I was like, but that he guy changed missing. his name. He, yeah, I think, yeah. I, wasn't he, didn't he depart Canadian Tire shortly thereafter? But I have honestly no idea. Exactly. But yes, That's exactly was, the way he, he was, wants yeah. it to be. Yeah. But yeah, your career might be over still to tempt it. I, I can't keep my mouth shut. Like, if I had something like that, and, and yeah, you could make the arguments like, I'm just doing my journalistic responsibility here. I'm letting it rip here. Yeah, the thing is, though, is if he didn't sign in Toronto after oh, yeah, you reported you're it. the biggest villain of no, all no, no. time. No, 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 you got to move. Yes. You know, like... You change your name. Did you read the Shea Gilgis-Alexander house story? It's terrifying. No. So Shea Gilgis-Alexander bought this mansion on mm-hmm. Lake Ontario, and... In Oakville? I bet. He moves into this house. He's from Hamilton, though. He moves into this house last summer, and then day two, he's in the house, and there's just some guy on his lawn going, have you seen Sam? <laughs> And the guy's like, what? <laughs> police. He, he, police. He's like, I want my money. I'm not leaving. There was a guy called the Crypto King that lived in his house before him. And he ran some humongous scam uh-huh. and scammed, obviously, millions of dollars out of people uh-huh. and then declared bankruptcy. One of those moves. Right. Uh-huh. And Shay was not told that that guy owned that house. So what happened is Alexander is now suing or he's trying to get the sale voided essentially i don't know how that actually works i don't know if it's like a lawsuit people keep showing up yeah because this happens all the time this this isn't a thing like people just show up like it's a zombie people you know (laughs) they've lost all their money they're looking for the guy that did this they're 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 tim robinson pointing we're all trying to find the guy who did this that's it and they know who did it it's the guy the crypto king no but it's also the crypto king yeah um so he he wants out of the house and he i think he only spent two days there before he and his girl left Mm mm-hmm and that would be you. If you broke Shohei news, if you were like Shohei, and even if it wasn't you, even if it was like you actually thought you had it, but then Shohei changed his mind <laughs> and yeah. you reported it and then he didn't come. Like there's there's different stakes now in terms of the fan base and the vitriol. Because You're right. Even if you weren't directly responsible for yeah. him not signing, everybody's going to assume that that was the reason because of this passing report, right? Yes. You're on blast. That's it. Like you have to he be. He put the warning. It's a salvo. He, he fired a bullet in the air and he said, hey, mm-hmm. nobody say anything. Buddy, of it's not even just Toronto media. Like what if passing reports and it's only he's, he's had like the, the most direct reporting on this and nobody knows. That's the thing. I talking to Morosi, like all these guys don't Bowden, really know. Bowden's been on and he, he did mention he's been pretty plugged in okay, with this camp. Like he's sure. one of their dudes. Kudos to him. I, and, I put and, a little sprinkle on the Rangers before or right after. Oh, the, okay. Yeah, may, yeah, maybe. But yeah, I mean, even if it's a national guy who blows the top off this thing and then Shohei, like say passing today is like, Blue Jays met with Shohei Otani. It went really well. Mm-hmm. Like, things are looking really good. Here are the things that Shohei wants. Here's when he expects to pitch again. And Shohei Otani doesn't sign in Toronto. Like, how, I mean, it would be how, I think how would are those Jeff Passan hits well, with Blair and Barker looking? Yeah. Yeah, he'd be public enemy number one for a long time. I don't think people would forget that. You know what's weird about the Otani thing, though? And I, I was this was kind of a secondary thing with you. I can't remember a story that felt like a sports story that felt this big. And no. it would probably be different if he was still able to pitch next year, right? Like if there was the idea that, hey, but, you know, you sign Otani and automatically you're one of the biggest baseball teams on the planet, especially if you're like in the East Coast, right? Yeah. It's like you're going to get a TV deal from Japan. Uh, I didn't know this. I learned this yesterday, actually, because I was asking questions. I, Shai told me is that the, the merch you sell in your stadium, 
you get. Yes. The merch that's sold like through the websites is the ones that oh, go. Oh, I didn't. I assumed you got all of it. No, no, no. So, but still, like your ability yeah. to sell Otani stuff in the stadium and like it, it's just it's it's a huge boon for the team if they end up getting him. And if he does, he's an automatic like every fan in every market basically shows up to see the guy play. Right. Yeah. If you're a halfway reasonable sports fan, and it's also most- it kind of insulates you as a, a front office too from like it. Yeah, you don't want to be the Angels where you miss the playoffs, but yeah. like yeah, like. Winning isn't secondary, no, but, if but you it got like Shohei, it's, 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 it's yeah. kind of well. How can you argue with whatever moves dude, transpire this offseason outside of that, and however many games they win? That's next a great year. point. If you if you land Shohei Otani, that's as close of a thing as you could get to a World Series. Mm-hmm. Like well, it's it's I, not no winning a World Series. That's, that's what I just spent. Like yeah. so, winning a World Series number one. Mm-hmm. But would you rather lose the World Series or have Shohei Otani? I think that answer is pretty obvious. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean. If you no, lose the World Series, so hold on, but your contention is that like you go into the season knowing you're not going to win the World Series. But like, no, if no, you, no. I'm saying, would you just the two things? Because go, getting series, to a World Series, that's the best thing ever because then you're just like, oh my God, yeah, what a thrill so ride, and you Dude, believe that you can win it. But if Jays went to ALCS and it was the most thrilling thing, yeah, so yeah, so that's really great. No, compare. but then it's heartbreaking. Yes. But getting Otani is pure bliss. That's what I'm saying is you win the World Series. That's number one. But getting the top free agent yeah. and got – when's the last time we've had a guy like this? Well, again, George Springer was the top of that free agent class. No, no, and, no, no. no. I don't mean the Blue Jays. I just mean in terms of like a player that drove this level of interest that was a free agent who was oh, in his prime. It's never happened. But, I mean, John Tavares. No, I'm, I was not even talking Toronto. I'm talking about like internationally, just, you know, or the caliber for a sport where you would automatically go like, holy crap. Somebody that, yeah, is going to show up on a rundown of PTI. Yeah, yeah. That's you know never happened. The, to close that point, though, what I was trying to say is the Otani thing feels weird to me because I think if you're a baseball fan, it's all you can talk about. And especially since for the Blue Jays right now, there's this whole like they're a dark horse thing. And so... It's it's fun to dream on what they would actually do with Otani, right? Mm-hmm. And and how the team would work and, and what would change, blah, 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 right? It's it's a fun thought exercise as a fan, especially because you, you get to be like, there's no real pressure because no one thinks he's actually coming here, mm-hmm. but there's at least enough of sprinkles that say it's not a 0%. Mm-hmm. He, we're not... Baltimore, mm-hmm. right? It's it's not. Yeah. Hey, they're not even trying. They're not, not even trying Lester to sit down. City, which you said, you know, that's the only thing that would be more likely than the Blue Jays signing Joey Otani. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> Man, if they sign Joey Otani, be the most shocking thing in my life. Although I will, like I've said this many times, but when people put together, I had a buddy who put together like the exact trade, essentially. My buddy John Clark, he put together the Kawhi trade the second the Kawhi rumors started happening. He was like DeRozan, Pirtle, and a first. And I laughed at him. I was like, mm-hmm. this is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. Did you ask him whether they're going to land Shohei Otani? I should, actually. <laughs> really should. I should I what should. is the Juan Soto trade? Yeah, the Juan Soto trade I've already outlined is the simplest thing ever. It's what, just, Vlad? Well, or... The thing is, Vlad makes too much money. Like, Vlad makes well, the same amount of money. Yeah, I mean, if the, if the Padres are like, sure, Alec Manoa coming off his ERA of six season, not knowing if he'll ever be an effective major leaguer again is the centerpiece as a, of a Juan Soto trade. That sounds great to us. Then mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. But like, why on earth would the Padres do it? Yeah. The, because the, they're looking at it and saying, we get four years of control of a guy who might be a Cy Young winner. Yeah. But he also like literally, so this was the, the report the other day from Ken Rosenthal, that the, the blue Jays are maybe sh- they're open to trading Alec Manoa. Alec Manoa might be able to bounce back By to the that. Way, like, Robert Murray, who's coming on the show tomorrow. Have that first. 
Okay. Yeah. yeah. Kudos to Robert, yeah, Robert Murray, Murray who first. also reported the Blue Jays are going to do something big. He's here in Las Vegas. Big, big, big. Which is everybody's here and thinking it's a it's a bloody big deal. Yeah, it is. It's a it's a big deal. But yeah, if you're okay, you're in the market for Alec Manoa. Sure, you believe that there's a percentage chance he can return to being a top ten Cy Young uh, award candidate, which he was the first two years. Mm -hmm. But you're also like of the not zero percent belief that his career might be over. Like that's 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 the the difference between treating trading Alec Manoa and trading Vladimir Guerrero Jr. It's like Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is going to be in the major leagues for another 10 15 years. Like that's there's no question about that mm-hmm. whether he's going to live up to the hype or the 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 levels that he set in 2021 different deal. It's quite possible Alec Manoa is never again an effective uh well you should look at major league baseball history. You should look yeah. at the way he looked and a cup at a couple of different points during the course of the season, even after being yeah, sent down to the minor leagues and coming back up, and he's like, ah, yeah, near it. like it's. And also look at the way he was able to be effective his first two years when he was super effective. It was like, oh well, this guy doesn't throw upper nineties. Yeah. He doesn't strike out a ton of people. He walks a lot of guys and he hits a bunch of guys. But gosh darn it, if he doesn't get people out, which is yeah. like, okay, he did it for a couple of years. The idea that that might just all of a sudden disappear, not out of the realm of possibility. So. <sighs> I think that the, and I outlined this case on yesterday's show or Monday's show, that it's just, it's a really impossible needle to thread because he's got the four years of control. If you look at the Blue Jays starting rotation, it's a lot of old guys. Like really, Barrios is under contract for a long time, Mm -hmm. but Kikuchi's one year and the idea that he's just like the fourth starter now and that's great. To me, Kikuchi might be the guy that you're looking at trading in the final year of his deal, maybe trading at the high point of his value. Hey, but again, I don't know what the high point of the value is. Either way, it's like Chris Bass, it's going to be 35 or 36, and he just threw the most innings of his career. Mm Mm-hmm. Which is whatever. Like, I don't know. I'm not, I think you'll be fine, but. That was the Blue Jays World Series, by the way. Chris Bassett getting to 200 innings. Like, that was. Yeah, that was their, that was actually their big win of the season. What else was better than that? Uh, well, David Schneider with his uh, Fenway Park. Yeah, that, well, that was the greatest moment of the season. That was the funnest series of the season. Mm-hmm. And the best part of it is that's the series that I paid the least attention to because they were so dreadful right before that it just, yeah, I needed a break. That was, that was right after the Rangers series, wasn't it? But. It just, if you look at the rotation, the whole premise of the team having the, the dueling aces thing, and maybe Barrios is back to kind of being that guy. I do believe that the playoff thing really mattered, but it's just the pitching depth isn't great. The idea that all of a sudden you're going to be relying on Ricky Tiedemann, who can't stay healthy for 35 minutes in a row, and Bowden Francis, who is, looks fine, but I'm not. No, 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 yeah, it's, it's just it's it, a it, guy. It, yeah, but it's a, you need those guys, but yeah, he's just I, a I guy. Just, here's what I will say about Manoa. I would like, I would back the guy who. Everything about him is baseball. He doesn't, you know, it's baseball and family. Like he's not a, he's not out here trying to be like an entrepreneur and other things. He's, there's no, there's no, there's no outside commitment to anything other than being an awesome baseball player. And I, like I said, he looks like a guy who's breaking up with the team because he's in the gym every single day. And it's like, that's a breakup move is when you you have heartbreak. You just want to show the other person like you screwed up. I, I would back the guy who has that mentality who has that track record of success all the way through like high school, college, the the major league level where we were like, oh, no one's had to start like this other than Dave Steeb. I just think that that dude will bounce back. I, I do. Maybe he's not going to ever be yeah, what we might. thought. Maybe he's not going to be a top three guy, but I think that the likelihood that he's like not pitching in the major league. No, is I, I wouldn't say it's more than 50%. But no. no, you have to be 
uh, open to the possibility, like injuries, a separate deal. Like obviously, yeah, Vlad could suffer some horrific injury no, that changes. No. no, but I'm just saying, like, just from a pure performance perspective, you have to be open to the possibility that it never again happens for Alec Manoa. That's why, like, the pitching thing though is interesting because Ben Nicholson Smith's tweet from a couple of days ago kind of went under the radar when he said earlier, early this winter, the Blue Jays showing real interest in some big names, including top free agent pitchers. Per sources, bats still Jay's priority, but they're keeping possibilities open, active in the trade market too, right? Like we, we obviously the need for this team is offense, offense, offense. When you score one run in two postseason games against the Minnesota Twins, yeah. and you only score or you only win eighty nine games despite that incredible pitching staff, it's obviously offense. But if you're unable to like look at the free agent bats available, there's Shohei, and it's like Cody Bellinger, and then it's like Matt. Chapman. Mm-hmm. Somebody's going to sell themselves on Matt Chapman, who for five of the six months this season was dreadful. If you can't do that, maybe the best avenue is for you to go shop in the, the very tippy top of the free agent pitching market where there's like the reigning National League Cy Young hey, Award winner right there. Position. This the Blake been, Snell, who like knows the, the division as well. The, the You know what the other one is that I really love, but it's not going to happen is, and this is part of what complicates the Manoa thing. There's a bunch of pitchers that you can trade for right now. Like, you could trade for Corbin Burns. Mm-hmm. You could trade for Tyler Glass now. Mm-hmm. You could trade for Shane Bieber. Mm-hmm. All of these guys are available through trade. Yep. And so that makes it even harder to trade Manoa because you go, well, if teams are looking for starting pitching help and right. they're willing to give up, like, actual assets, why would they go with the thing that has any question marks versus those three guys that have just, you know, that they're, they're bona fide all the way through? Mm-hmm. But if you're the Blue Jays, I, I wondered, okay, that's the one for me with the Glass now, Manoa is could you, if the Rays liked Manoa, oh my God. could you do the in-division just, <laughs> uh, they take your guy, they get the cheapie, how they get the four. Would that be? It would be the scariest thing of all time. <laughs> Especially since Tyler Glass, now you know the second he shows up and draws, his arm is going to explode into he's, smithereens. It's tough for the always injured guy to have Glass yeah, right yeah. in his name. Yeah, but, but when he's on though. Yeah, and Except again, you know what like, sucks is what? that he can't pitch against the Blue Jays, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't get those times where he gets to feast on the Toronto and Blue of Jays. Course, like meek the, lineup oh down in Tampa. God. Yeah, the the Rays are waiting for like yeah Alec Manoa to be DFA'd one year. If it's not this year, next year, and they can scoop him up and then turn him into the Alec Manoa of yeah. his first two years in the major league. Alec League's Manoa like. written off by many like Ben Ennis <laughs> after basically a few bad starts. Came back from the Florida Complex League and actually pitched all right and had one bad well, start yeah. and then they were like, get out of town. But to the point about Tyler Glasnow, throws 100, right? Yeah. Like I, Tyler Glasnow makes sense, right? Yeah. That's a huge point. Like, okay, yeah, when he's healthy, oh, the guy that throws a million misses all the bats in the world. Yeah, I get why he's successful, and if he's healthy, he's going to be successful. That's it's just never been the case with Alec Manoa, but that is an interesting thought experiment. It's never going to happen. Dude, like that, I, it, that you can't do that if you're either. Team. No, but so I'm terrified of trading Manoa. I, I believe that he's going to be good again. I buy the theory that Gossman had of, hey, this guy actually pitched a ton of innings, and then they had the pitch clock, and he was out of sync, and he just he lost it, and he couldn't find it. And during the baseball season trying to find it, it's impossible that ultimately he comes back. He's in better shape. He gets his mechanics down. He's an absolute gamer, and he yeah, turns maybe. out to be a top three guy. Maybe but, even likely. Yeah, but if you were if you were a team like the Brewers, you know, or a, a team, the reason why the Padres thing makes sense to me is that you're getting cheap, controllable guy that has mm-hmm. some upside. And if you're trying to shed money, uh-huh. that's the one that makes sense. But I just thought like the Corbin Burns type of trades. Yeah, I would like, trade Alec Manoa for one year of Corbin. But that's Burns. what I'm saying is I I feel like that might be their best avenue with Manoa. Is that if that's the return you can get on Alec Manoa and, yeah, and my thinking, then my thinking on this is is entirely wrong, right? That's, like the way it because the way I view it, 
And I, I think other teams are going to view it as, yeah, Alec Manoa, we saw him do it for sure. But with, would you rather with, have a with prospect? With not 99. But if you're the Brewers, yeah, no, of course. Yeah, like if, would you rather have oh, some mean, guy you, who's... Would, if I'm tr- the Brewers, I'd rather have Ricky Tiedemann than Alec Manoa. Yeah, duh, but they're not getting Ricky Tiedemann for a year. Like, that's not even a... Yeah. Uh, like, that's a, a laughable thing. That's like right. a Daryl Morey thing where he's like, yeah, we want but your whole But those are two team. extremes, right? Like Alec Manoa, again, he's shown it in the major leagues and maybe injuries were a part of it, but also like maybe not. Like there's a mm. lot of unknowns about what happened this season. And again, like there's nothing tangible to point to other than like he had great extension. That's the thing he's always done really well. He's had really extended down the mound. The I other things... To me. The the other things are like he looks like a bulldog. Remember how many conversations we had about going into his first postseason start? He he looks like he's made for the postseason. Stubbed his toe, opening game of the season. Stubbed his toe, home opener. Stubbed his toe. Like yeah, there's there's nothing you can point to. Like Tyler Glass now who throws a hundred with mm-hmm. Alec Manoa. He's a great slider and yeah, that was hey, diminished he, he, he last keep year. Getting off track with this though. It's just like if no, you're... but I just I don't believe that the Brewers would value him enough to to, to make him the centerpiece of a Corbin Burns deal. I, I don't I, think he's. I think people think that the possibility exists that he might be done. Now it's not like more than fifty percent, but it's a non-zero possibility. Here's, here's what I'll say: If you're trading for any baseball prospect, it's a l- small chance that they even become like sure. a passable sure, baseball sure, sure. player that's in why major you're leagues. Trading for more. No, than but one, that's it. Generally, but I I don't think that a guy. I don't know what the value is on these players that have one-year deals or what the value is. I think the big X factor in a lot of this offseason, and for the Blue Jays especially, is how much are the Padres going to try to get off of some of this money? Mm -hmm. And what is the value of trading guys to teams that are willing to eat a ton of the cash? Like, the Mariners gave up the best closer in baseball Mm -hmm. so that they could get off a little bit of the the Robinson Cano money to the Mets. They said, here, just have them. Mm -hmm. And so I just feel as though if you were a team and you were trying to sell something to your fan base and you're trying to get rid of money, uh-huh. Manoa's kind of the, one of the perfect pieces. You don't have to pay him right away. He's a lottery ticket, but so is every single other prospect. And then you also get you get the four years of control, you get off yeah. the money, but you also can publicly state, hey, this might actually help us win tomorrow. This might actually be a yeah. more impactful trade for us this year mm-hmm. than those players. And, and I don't think it's going to be that way. I, I think that's going to take Manoa a little bit of time to get back to mm-hmm. where he was. But either way, I just... I do think that his like – if we're doing all the, like, curious things about the Blue Jays offseason, right? Obviously, the Otani possibility is number one by a mile. Uh-huh. But to me, secondarily, the, the sneaky biggest one is not would they trade Vlad. It's what what is Manoa's trade value, actually? Like, yeah. what is if his I'm value? Wrong, if I'm wrong and he is valued – Well, you're wrong a lot, so this is actually making me feel <laughs> good because I can't remember too many times where you were right. I, if I'm wrong, then yeah. yeah. If you can trade Alec Manoa because I do believe – like, I'm the guy that has Alec Manoa, and I'm like, man, if I got Alec Manoa and I hold all the cards, right, even mm-hmm. if Alec Manoa doesn't want to be here and he's – yeah, you're right, like doing the breakup thing in the gym because he's – yeah. He wants to look good for uh, his next partner. Yeah. Um, that's all well and good. doesn't matter. He's under team control. Do you want to see I'm under... a picture of shredded Alec Manoa in a Padres uniform being like, uh, good to be somewhere where I feel wanted, hashtag blessed? I know. Sure, I don't, but I'm not going to hand... Yeah, like, and to that point, I'm not going to hand him away for nothing. That's and I don't think if I'm, and I'm the pod race, he's part of a Juan Soto package, despite the fact that it makes more sense monetarily than the, the Vlad trade i want to see what the other packages are for some of these guys that actually have a piece that's better or has higher upside than manoa or more of a track record it's just 
To me, it's 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 a very it's a it's okay. a really interesting one. But hold on, I got to do one more baseball thing with you before we can take the break. Okay, can I just make one last point on this? Yeah, is that like yeah, Ricky Tiedemann is more valuable than Alec Manoa partly because he's younger and under more team control and has the 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 sure. high higher velocity fastball and he's left-handed, but also because he's never failed, right? Like Alec Manoa has the proof of concept with the success, but he's also had the proof of concept of like him failing. Like, Except for Ricky Tiedemann, like I said, is hurt every single time. People are sure, like... Sure, but so is Tyler like, Glass now, but he, it doesn't matter. Like if house. you have the upside, like if when you're healthy, you're dominant, 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 you get to, yeah, you get to be Justin Verlander, you get to be Tyler <sighs> Glass now. Here's what I would say. If I was a front office and I was trading for one of the two guys and I was looking at the price points of what they were, I would be at the front of the line trying to get Alec Manoa. Mm. I would be at the front of the line going, what do we got to give up? Okay, let's find something. Like, buy low, obviously. I wouldn't mm. be just trying to give over everything that I have to get them. But I would certainly, that's the type of trade to me that sure. really works out for a that's team. That's why you're not selling, though, because you're not selling low on a guy that you control. But this is the thing. We keep talking about the Blue Jays are going to do something big, right? Mm. And go, okay, well. If it's not Otani, what is it? If it's not Otani, is it Bellinger? Okay, does that really feel that big? Like, if the Blue Jays have Bellinger, does it feel that big? I'm dubious of Bellinger. Okay, so then you go down, and then everybody keeps saying that they're not trading Vladdy or Bo. Mm -hmm. So I go, all right. I'm sure that they really want to re-sign Bo and that they want to give him a contract extension and they're going to try to get that done because, yeah, he's just the the guy that you can bet on long-term. I've always said if you're not going to re-sign Vladdy to a long-term contract, I would deal him now rather than letting him go into Mm -hmm. the last year of his contract. Yep. And I would try to get at maximum value in terms of win now, do whatever. But it just there's not a lot of other moves that you can it's look at. Signing Blake Snell, it's signing Sonny Gray, it's it. signing Josh Hader. Which yeah, but if they, but that's the thing. Know. If they sign Sonny Gray, I'm not going to be like, oh yes, they signed the guy who's going to eat up some innings and be really good in the regular also season. Had I don't feel great about in the postseason. Middling results in this division. Yeah, too. that's what I'm saying. Like I, I got I got no excitement for Sonny Gray signing. I'm sorry. All this, he's a that's a baseball writer guy where he's going to give them a ton of stories on. The ways that he attacks pitchers and the research he puts in, right? Like Arden would be so stoked on the Sonny Gray signing because he's going to get like five articles out of that. Yeah. Like for me, uh, I'm a baseball fan. I don't really care. Anyway, um, and an ERA of four nine as last uh, four eight. Yeah, not the, interested in uh, Sonny. Not interested in Sonny Gray at all. Um, my last thing for you, baseball wise, because I, I do want to hit the break, and I I got one other topic for you. Mm-hmm. What do you do with Danny Jansen? Uh, you give him the reins to be the 1A catcher to Alejandro Kirk's 1B next season, and then, you know, you try and hammer out an extension. Yeah, but this is the thing. If they're, they're stuck between a rock and a hard place with him because he's also an injury-prone guy. Mm-hmm. He's also starting to get up there in age, but he's a UFA after next year. Mm-hmm. And I know that we should just be kind of focusing on this offseason, but it did make me think about how it, the added irony of the Moreno trade is that the Jays could actually be in a position where it would be smart for them to add a catcher because if they leave that business to next year where there's zero catchers in free agency outside mm-hmm. of... Like, if you're Danny Jansen, there's no incentive for you to sign now either. Like, unless the Blue Jays are going to, you know, blow your doors off. Well, this is it. This is why, yeah, the extensions for Bo and Vlad become less and less likely the closer we get to free agency. We're mm-hmm. like, oh, we'll just play it out anyways, right? Like, and we can boost our value. I think what happens if you lose Danny Jansen and, and Alejandro Kirk is not the all-star Alejandro Kirk from a year but ago. But if is he that, is. Well, but if he is, then you just backfill it with like a Luke Maley type guy, right? Like then you just get a defense first catcher, which are falling off trees. You can go out and get him. Right. Um, and you just become one of the like other whatever, uh, I was going to say 20, but more probably like 15 10 to 15 teams in Major League Baseball that don't get offense out of that position. And you do lean hard into the defensive side of things, but that was part of what made this team 
so intriguing going into this past season was that it's the the position with the the bar the lowest at mm-hmm. the catching position, and it was a position of actual strength offensively for this Blue Jays team to this yeah. point at which both guys were DHs. Danny Jensen was a DH in the playoffs in 2022. Mm-hmm. So if it if he has to depart and you you can't sign him to what he is worth and there's reasons why you might not believe he's going to be worth the money and the injuries is is the most notable thing that I think you just become one of those other teams in baseball that pin your hopes on getting a good game caller and a, and a guy that that blocks balls behind the plate. Hooray. That's great. That's really well, great. I think this team could be headed for a big I if if they don't sign Otani, if they don't go nuts in the free agent market with a pitcher and they don't win again this year, and they're not signing Bo and Vlad to an extension. Like, in two years, we're looking at, I don't know if it's, like, a 100-loss team, but, like, clearly a change in direction here. Yeah, but I, I don't think... Like, Kevin Gossman's going to be staring down yeah. the end of his deal, too. Like, everybody's Stunned. contract yeah. is is pretty much done in 2027. Yeah. <sighs> it just, yeah, everything all of a sudden, it really does. It feels so dire with all their guys. Mm-hmm. But there's so few dudes where you feel like, well, you got to just get him under a contract extension. Like the only guy that I think the approval rating would be 100% would be Bo. Yep. Like, and it's, the, yeah. I mean, he's been Mr. Consistency, but it's not like he's a guarantee considering his offensive profile and the position. Sure, but, but I just, it's, there's like, if Flatty got a contract extension tomorrow, there would be fans going, why did you do this? Unless it's for if like Danny 25 Jansen, million over 10. Like, say he sure, signed a 10 year, sure, $250 million that, dollar he's, deal. He's not going to do that. Yeah. I just think for Danny Jansen, he has to be watching the Matt Chapman thing closely going, how much can I get because of a of market course. that is just completely void? Well, and especially considering, you know, the thing that most teams in baseball, including the Padres, including the Braves, and it's, mm-hmm. you know, they've won a World Series doing it. Like, these guys don't generally reach free agency, and Juan Soto is going to be the notable example, and and that's why he's going to get what he's about to get paid. He's only 25 years old. I yeah. think I would try to give Danny Jansen the money now, even though he does always get hurt, and then I would roll the dice on the injury. Unless your medical staff is telling you, like, you absolutely can't, I would try to do it now, and then I would just make sure that I have two catchers next year, and then, like, yeah, someone can trade for him at least if you if you look at that depressed catcher market. If you do hit on one of these yeah. guys, try to move somebody. But we already saw, like, everybody in this city was ready. Danny Jensen was the one of the three that everyone was like, cast him overboard, despite the fact that, like, he'd shown. No, he's the man. I, I love Danny I, Jensen. But the, and the thing is, is they it's, couldn't get a return. They couldn't get Dalton Varsho for Danny Jansen. Dude, that's the, my point here is just this. <laughs> So far this offseason, and I know next year is different with free agents, Mm -hmm. but so far this offseason, everyone seems to be wanting to trade for control. Mm -hmm. They don't want to go crazy and say, we'll make a big splash, we'll make a big acquisition. But there is going to be one team that will pay Danny Jensen a ton of money because they're going to get desperate at their catcher spot and he'll be available and then it's going to force the Blue Jays' hand and then maybe he leaves. I would rather have a catcher under contract that Mm -hmm. if you go into next offseason and things don't work out for you, you do need to make a shift, that at least now he's an asset to you rather than the Chapman thing where you're going... Well, if we don't pay him, we're playing Addison Barger as of tomorrow and Kevin Biggio. But if we do pay him, it's going to be the worst contract that we have on the books. It just feels like this team's keeping its powder dry for yeah. 2026, where yeah. it's like, okay, you got George yeah. Springer, Kevin Gossman in the final years of their deal, and Jose Barrios Oof. is the only guy locked up through 2028. But, like, literally, Jose Barrios is the, is the Will Smith meme, like, in the empty house in, in 2026. is the only guy under contract Anyways, to wrap, in the next two years. To wrap this up, I'm still going to ask Robert Murray about what he thinks the... Chances are for Otani in Toronto. Okay. And take, yeah. He could be persona non grata yeah, if he has anything definitive I'll, about I'll it. I'll warn him, though. You know, is, uh, remember when I told you about the, the what's it called, the basilisk? 
uh, kind of I don't know. It's the paradox or whatever the hell it is. It's like oh, you there, sound really smart. No, I know. Well, there's this. No, it, go ahead. Say the smart thing. There's this. Oh, I would listen to a podcast. All right, never mind. I'm done. <laughs> Roko's Bas- it's, it's called Roko's Basilisk. Remember what I told you about that? Yeah, that's no, for a, sure. That's Do a, you remember what you told me about it? Yeah, but that's that's essentially what it'll be doing to Robert Murray. Where I'm like, hey, this is very dangerous for you. Yeah. Here's a warning before yeah. we discuss but this once any you open further. It, it's, yeah, yeah, it's kind of it, Pandora's box. Yeah, I think it's, it's a, a hey, more accessible reference you could have used. Yeah, there. Hey. Really, really unlikely that this happens, but there is a danger that could be is potentially there. All right, there's a real potential. Anyways, let's take a quick break. All right, I saved the best for last. I thought it was, we already did pretty well. <laughs> I don't know. It's pretty good until you started making fun of me at the end of the segment. <laughs> oh, that felt so good. That was the best yeah. part. <laughs> and you had to eat it. And yeah. You did a good job of eating it. Yeah. But I, then I did remember what it was. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> Whatever. Why do we love sports media beef so much? Well, us, it's hard to no, not no. navel No, no, because it's not a success. Like, I, I was looking at this just on Twitter, just the reaction, right? And everybody knows. Like, it's just the what amount. What we're talking about? Yeah, yeah. I'm not picking sides or saying weird things. It's just, I, like, I don't care about it. I just mean in general, there just seems to be something mm-hmm. about is it just like a normal thing where you see a fight, like you're a kid and you're going yeah. up and you see two people fighting in the schoolyard and yeah. you want to circle around? But, it, and you... but people with with megaphones, right? So like people, like you're in media, so yeah, obviously you have access to 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 the loudest voice, right? Like you either have a column or you have television spot. Yeah, I think notable people. We love celebrities fighting, right? And sports media is not celebrities. That's what I mean. Like it's a smaller, smaller. Yeah, people. People, you know, there's schadenfreude. There's a schadenfreude to it, too. Like, somebody's miserable here. Yeah, I, I and it's hard for me to separate myself from being a member of the media because I've been that way okay. for yeah. my so entire adult you, life. Yeah. Well, I, ha- I literally have yeah. not had another job since I've been an adult, right? Yeah, like it's crazy. Yeah, I, I, that's all I know. So, like, obviously, I'm yeah, interested. Really set, I know really the people. You set your life in stone at 18, eh? You were like, I'm marrying my high school sweetheart, and I'm taking my first job, and I'm running out of my career. Yeah. yeah. You're like, a, like a I old, hate making decisions. Guy. So I made the big decisions, yeah. and I was like, let's keep it <laughs> Let's keep it between the lines yeah. here. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. yeah. It's worked out. I yeah. can't argue with the results. No, the results I mean, were great. Professionally, I mean, yeah, professionally, I mean, it landed me here. So it's all right. Yeah, you met me. Yeah, it's a hard make the positive argument but yeah. yeah no i so from a purely my perspective mm-hmm. i know the people and yeah i do pick sides and i'm like you pick this. sides say the side you're on no I'm well should we tell it. people exactly what no, you're no, talking no, about like everybody knows it's like yeah there was just like some people in sports media that started beefing on the internet and like i, I find all of this stuff like lose lose for everyone involved because it's just like i don't know why you would it's ever want to go take to something to the internet when yeah. people do that yeah like, like, I get it. Like, I get, I get very tempted. emotional, too. Like, yeah. and I get not, I, yeah. I, listen, I get angry. Mm-hmm. I want to yell at people in real life. Sometimes I do. Not on the internet when, like, I th- I'm of the understanding. And, like, I'm impacted by the things you write to me. But guess what? Like, I know that you're an internet person. Yeah. So you, I can't respond to that. And I just shut it out of my life. I'm used. thing. I don't respond. I, I, I used to maybe occasionally. But, no, it's just, it, it's, it's too emotionally taxing to do that. If both of our careers... You know how there was like the, the like you have a girl in high school. You're like, if both of us are single when we're forty, we're gonna get married. <laughs> mm-hmm. If our careers yeah. start to careen, oh yeah, we're gonna be ripping everybody. No, no, you and I. 
Like, we should just go after each other. I'm not going after other people. They go wave it or receive something. Oh, somebody. you mean to, like, build it and, like, did these guys have a falling out? What's yeah, happening yeah, yeah. here? That's what I'm saying. I love that. Yeah. Man, what happened to the radio work? Like, I... No, no, we, well, that's, a, that's, a, that's our thing for now. So, whoever's listening to this, you got it in the ground floor, you'll be in the, the know. But, I wish we could punch But also, at... here's the thing, though. This is the downside for mm-hmm. the people that are in the know. It means things are really going poorly for us. <laughs> like, well, it's... I mean, the other side of... Do you... I, like, again, like, I wish... We could still do the radio beefs. You're not even allowed in a joking manner to do that. But can you? Can we have a beef with your show, the Fan Morning Show and J.D. Bunkus podcast? Like yeah, me? sure. Except for what I'll do is I'll big time you and I'll be like, what show? Yeah, <laughs> I know. That's the thing. We Who? can't start it. We, it's punching down for us, right? So it has to well, be you. I disagree. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying the opposite is true. The... Okay. It feels like the beef is off to a nice start. Yeah, it is, actually. Actually, it's really, it's, hey, this wouldn't be so hard to do. It turns out. The funny thing about this would be, we'd be like, all right, let's concoct the beef. Like, let's start putting the fake stuff out there. And then. It'd be like a little morsel just, of truth. And it no, would it easily. Just immediately yeah. It became, it's like, that's actually the following. I was like, start yeah. us a bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's again like you. What we do, yeah. oh, I forget what the example was we were talking about. Oh, the you day, forgot the wrestling. Oh, do, do, do yeah, you the did? wrestling. Yeah. yeah, where like you play wrestle with somebody, and then all oh, of yeah, a sudden gets, somebody yeah. gets it like a little yeah, bit more real, yeah. and then it just escalates until eventually it's yeah, a couple of guys square yeah, off, and punching each other yeah. in the face. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, uh, <laughs> what my life was before I it was conclusive that my brother could kick my ass. Like yeah. every Christmas after a couple drinks, Play like, all right, like let's, 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 yeah. let's, testing him. Yeah. And then, uh, then it got to the age where it's like people's shoulders are getting thrown out and it's like, all Oof. right, this is done. <laughs> so that's to wrap yeah. up. So now I just, I uh, like, it's the worst because he's bigger. And it's just, it, they, they, these fights always get way too far. So now I just have to submit like a loser where I'm like, oh. I'm, I'm Carl Anthony Towns. Tap it. <laughs> or, um, I would pay to Rudy see Gobert. that. No. Oh, uh, I had, I had, I had a, a friend, the brother friends. And the stronger one used to do what he called making his brother dance, where he would grab his arms, his hands, and twist them up, like do like a, like a, a mercy thing over his head, where he would have to move his legs and make it. There's nothing. That's great. That, that's <laughs> really good. Making that's what dances. I'm going to tell your brother that he should do that to you yeah. next time he sees you because he the height is a big part of it. He, and he does no, have he height could. on you. He could. Again, I'm, I'm old and Oh my God. So, yeah. And I, then I, I listen, I'd and then I'll video crying, to, like, I will put that behind a paywall and people will have yeah. to pay me a hundred dollars. A good per start view. for the sports media beef. Look yeah. at this guy. <laughs> Dancing loser. All right. Uh, I'll let you go. Go enjoy your sleep that you need so Thanks. badly that avoid, makes you avoid the Christmas party. Anyway, Thank you. Uh, quick break. We'll come back and we'll talk to the man in Europe, Luke Fox. Listen, I'm extremely grateful that my next guest is on. But when I originally asked my producer to book him, it was because I was like, oh, yeah, he's coming back. He'll be on the flight. So don't ask him for Monday because he'll be traveling back to North America and then he'll be getting back onto whatever six time zones differences from Sweden. I I don't know what the time is there. But I was like, yeah, yeah, like he's get him. He'd be great. I I want stories. I want some I got a ton of topics for him. Right. Like you guys saw the doc. I wrote down like a million things I want to talk to Luke specifically about to the point where it's probably too many. And then I find out this guy's like hopefully taking drugs, looking at northern lights, 
and fjords. <laughs> he's in Copenhagen, and he's like, he texts the producer. He's like, yeah, I don't want to come on. I don't have reception. I'm like, don't come on. Why are you doing this? Go live your life. You could do this any other day. I appreciate it. I'm thrilled. But you could have, like, what are you doing? What are you doing that you're doing this? Like, this is outrageous behavior from you. Are you addicted to, this is a problem. This is actually not a radio interview. This is an intervention. Like, go have fun. <laughs> I should be having fun. I yeah. have been having fun, Good. to be honest. But you, you know what it is? The reason why I'm over in Europe in the first place is because I cover the Leafs. Fair. So if someone wants to someone wants to call and talk about Leafs, I should probably take 15 minutes out of my day. Yeah. But yeah, so yeah, yesterday was I went with a, my buddy who moved to Norway. Okay. And I was already in Sweden, and my buddy's lived here for five or six years. He's like a childhood friend. He's been begging me to come visit him. I'm like, yeah, sure, I'll get to Norway sometime. But I was already in Scandinavia for the first time in my life, so uh, I, I thought this was a pretty good excuse to finally see where he lives. And he lives in the northernmost city of Norway called Tromsø, And it's in the Arctic Circle. I, I know you're familiar with oh, yeah. life that far north. Yeah. yeah. So I went, I went ice fishing. Uh, oh, yeah. Had you done on, it before? On a, on a fjord. Yeah. Uh, I've never done it. That's awesome. not on a fjord. We, and we caught dinner uh, and froze our, our toes off, but it, it was a blast. It, I it love this. And then, and then the Northern Lights came out oh. while we were standing on the ice, and it was magnificent. It was, it was a very Northern experience, especially for my first full day up here. Buddy, you're going to come back. You're a changed man. You're not going to be the same. Yeah. You're going to come back here. You're going to be enlightened. That's just what, what you just yeah. said. How are you supposed to sit in traffic in the GTA after that? Like, I don't know. It's like, that's... that's it's, it's impossible. a different lifestyle. Yeah, they cross country. They cross country ski everywhere. Yeah. That's how they get around. Um, they got these little sleds. People are biking with special tires, even though there's you know five yeah, feet. Everybody's of snow. in shape just, and hot, and it's nice. You know, not a, not a bunch yeah. of slobs like yeah. us. It's like, no, sorry, it's a 15 minute walk. I'll just take an Uber. Yeah, don't worry, I'll be there shortly. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's <laughs> off the subway line. I don't think so. I don't think I'll be there. Yeah. Uh, no, that's incredible, man. Uh, like truly I'm jealous that you guys, if there's anything, you know, the NBA has this, uh, like they've got this in season tournament. Now they used to have the summer league, right? Where it was, Hey, they're going to get rid of, uh, they're going to get rid of some of the summer league stuff and they're going to try to make the hub, the in season tournament, uh, in Vegas. Right. And it's where the NBA writers go when they have a blast. And I know that was the NHL draft for people who cover the NHL. Uh, now they're going to get rid of that, right? It's not going to be the same hub. Maybe places don't send as many people because the centralized draft thing is going to change. I actually thought it would be a really cool thing for the league to just have this international series every single year, but maybe even try to expand it. And yeah, have a lot of people be able to go over there. And that's like the make good or that becomes the the place where you do start to rub elbows and get a chat with somebody. Is it in a place like this? It was an incredible experience. It, it really was. Yeah. And I, I know it's just, you know, it's kind of a bit random. Like you had three Atlantic division teams, and then you had the, the Minnesota wild. Yeah. But what kind of, what kind of blew me away is it wasn't just the Swedish people and, you know, small, the small contingents from the, the home cities that had people over there, but there were people from Czechia and Germany and mm -hmm. Finland and, you know, David Camp's family flew over because anyone within Europe, all of a sudden, it's a little bit closer. It's like, oh, it's a two-hour flight, a one-and-a-half-hour train ride? I'm going to go check out some NHL hockey. So it really feels global. And I thought it was awesome at the uh, after the final game when uh, one of the 
the European reporters asked Austin Matthews, would you be up for another global series? He'd be like, oh, yeah. And he's like, maybe Mexico City. Yeah. And and I, I just think, it, you know, I think sometimes we, we get caught in our bubbles and it's just on to the next American city, on to the next Canadian city. And it's, it is kind of refreshing just to see the, the sport in a, in kind of a global context. And I'm all for the NHL expanding. It just... It also reminds me that we need more back-on-back international hockey. It's, it's, yep. it's a shame. Yeah, it is. Dude, it's, it is. It's a tragedy. It's something that it's gotten to the point where I, I, I have the same take over and over and over again, and I just keep beating the same drum, and it's so disappointing to me. And you look at how it's affected other sports and how it shaped so many guys that are you know, our age, so many people that are our age that watched international hockey and have these special moments like – uh, growing up as a kid, obviously having Salt Lake, but then just how massive Vancouver is for so many people. Like it's like a touchstone moment for so many people that are, you know, millennials and that we just haven't had that in this country is nuts and that we've let that dissipate into what it is. It's, it is. It's really, really sad. I love the international flavor. I loved the feeling of, you know, family and community. And the only thing, I, like I really hope this works, this extends because... I just think regular seasons can get a little dry and get a little boring, and I don't think this has to last forever, but we saw this with, like, um, the outdoor games, right? When the outdoor games first happened, they were awesome. And now it's kind of like, all right, they, they, they overdid it. So I don't want them to just be doing, you know, eight series a year. Like, this doesn't have to be NFL where they're doing multiple teams and multiple trips and, like, maybe don't ruin it, but I really think that there's something here, and I hope that the league doesn't shy away from it because of the travel and the time zones and whatever ends up falling out of it. Because here's the thing that worried me out of everything. And I want to get into some of the positives with you and like some of the stuff on the trip. But I saw this quote, actually, I think it was in one of your pieces from Sheldon Keefe about his takeaway, right? From this thing. Um, And he kind of took the like coaching perspective of it, which was, Hey, we got to make sure that we get back on schedule and, this is going to be really tough for us, and it was difficult. And then there were some guys that were talking about the sleep and, you know, the, 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 the not just the shift in time change, but just like the darkness and the bright, just the everything that came with it. And my fear is if the Leafs, like all these teams now almost have pressure to perform fairly well coming back from this, because I feel like if the Leafs suck, especially the media hub of the world, and they get to blame this as like, hey, bad things happened after this trip it could actually have a like a detrimental effect to the future of this thing. Yeah. I, you know what? I kind of hated the excuses uh, on one hand. I want them to be honest. So if they are sure. jet lag or, or if they do feel put out by it and that's how they really feel, then that's fine. Say it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there were a couple instances and I, and I know that the Keith presser that, that you're talking about where I thought they could have leaned in on a little bit harder just, Especially there's 82 regular season games. Like you play two of them mm-hmm. overseas. It's such a small percentage. Plus for the Leafs, they were set up lovely. So they mm-hmm. they got the Red Wings on the second and a half of a back to back, and the Wild on a second half of a back to back. Where the start, the puck drop time was three hours early, like less than 24 hours. It was 21 hours later mm-hmm. from the from the previous one. Both those teams went to overtime. Like, it was very, very well set up for the Leafs to get, get four points, which they did. And, I mean, you still have to do it. But I, I think there could have been a little bit more pumping up how great this was. Um, you know, just especially for William Nylander, it was awesome. But, mm-hmm. So, after, pra- after practice one day, um, he didn't have to do this because there was, like, another exit for the players should, should they want to use it. And most did. And some had to walk 
by us and do press. But he wasn't even um, scheduled to do press that day. But he came out anyway and met with every single member of the minor hockey team, the Swedish minor hockey team that had come to watch practice, and took his time signing every autograph, posing for every selfie, you know, smiling, making these kids happy. And, uh, you know, I, I just think opportunities like that, you got to seize them because they don't come very often. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I just feel like there's so much drag to the regular season, which mm-hmm. to your point about the NBA, they're trying to, they're trying to stop that, that they're a little bit more embracing. Yeah. Um, and, and, and a little bit less complaining, like, you know, they play again until Friday. There, there will be time to get over the jet lag. That's it. And they actually play in a, a 2 p.m. in Chicago, so it's yeah. actually closer to, to Stockholm time. Dude, they're playing two games in 12 days, and they got a like all-inclusive luxury trip to Sweden where they got the adulation yeah. of a different country and got to play in a cool place and shake things up. And, yeah, I get it again. If you're a coach and you're looking to win and you're trying to win in every single margin – that you could find a way where some things bother you. But I just thought, yeah, there, there was just absolutely no need to open up any kind of door to, hey, this sucks, or any kind of excuse or just anything. Just it should have been praise, praise, praise. Because, yeah, hockey, they've lost the international competition. I know we have the world championships or whatever, and there's this promise of things coming at some point, and like whatever. Uh, I, I actually, it does make you appreciate a little bit that it is an international game, right? Because we get bogged down in the Canadian side of this and the American growth, and there really isn't a lot of exposure to these other countries. And, yeah, hockey in Europe is massive, and all these countries are like, oh, yeah, that's their thing too. And I think for the for the league to try to find a way where they can make it over to some of these places, these real hockey hubs, and basically showcase these places, these people, the culture, the tradition, all with the NHL getting to push its product. I, I just think it's a huge win, and they got to make sure that they don't lose this because I, I really think that there is something here. Okay, so to the Nylander thing, um, I want to know what your conversations were like because, yes, he is a super-duper star over there. It's incredible. <laughs> it was incredible to watch from the outside. I can only imagine what it was like you know, being there and actually seeing this guy in his element and then also come through and have these massive moments on the ice. But... I think that two things have happened this week. One is everyone is now talking about what a superstar he is and what level of player he is. The second part is, you know, what is the contract going to be and whether it's gone up and all that different stuff. But I also thought, and I didn't see this discussed anywhere, you know, a lot of people in Sweden, they're wearing Leafs jerseys. And maybe it's just a lot of like the Steph Curry thing where you're a fan of the popular player or how this thing operates. It's a lot of family. But... The Leafs do have this connection through history, right, of, hey, it's Salming to Sundin, and now Nylander kind of has the opportunity to grab this. And if you're making the case of the Leafs and you're trying to find a way to be like, hey, do you want to be here, which he does say he wants to be here, I wonder how a trip like this might actually affect him in terms of appreciating being a part of the Maple Leafs brand as well. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And he went and did like an autograph signing with Matt Sundin and the two hung out. And he, he knew Matt's a little bit, but I, I don't think he ever spent any, uh, you know, any length of time with them. Mm-hmm. Um, so you hope that's a, a positive effect. But that's the other thing. It's like I didn't see a lot of Toronto fans from Toronto. Like I saw a lot of Tro- people in Leaf sweaters speaking other, other languages um, that made the trip from uh, other places in Europe or right there in Stockholm. And you're absolutely right. This, start, this goes all the way to, to Borje Salming. And it was unbelievable. There were massive posters and billboards of him all over town because they're just coming out with this docu-series uh, about his life. The premiere, they timed the premiere 
um, to be when all the, the teams were in town. And Nylander went, and Nick Lidstrom went, and Matt Sundin went, and Daniel Alfredson. So it was a, it was a massive celebration of Swedish legends. And Sundin is, is huge here. And, and they did a really good job of nice little touches of, you know, having Sundin drop the puck, having Daniel Alfredson on the Senators bench, and it really brought the whole thing together. I have, I have no worry in my mind William Nylander wants to be a Leaf. I have no worry in my mind that Brad Trilliving wants to get it done. It's just a matter of those two sides finding the right number because mm-hmm. he's playing. He's playing just so phenomenal. And I've been thinking about it. Like, do you just kind of bite the bullet a little bit next year, the final year of John Tavares, mm-hmm. and just say we might have to be a little bit bad? Uh, be, and, and then hope Tavares takes a discount or you find a, a suitable replacement because letting this guy go as an own rental this year, the way he's playing, it just seems unfathomable. I don't think that was ever an option. I think it was always this. I, like I do. I just feel that the, when they couldn't, there was this little window where they could have traded Nylander, right? Like during the initial negotiation, but they had turnover yeah. with the front office. And I think the second that Kyle Dubas was gone, that eliminated any chance for that. Because, yeah, Brendan Shanahan made the calls to the players, told them that they were going to, you know, double down again on the core. They're bringing in a new GM, and everyone was like, oh, well, this is the guy that will trade Nylander because he said that he wouldn't go through this again with Goudreau. Um, the difference was is, you know, Goudreau, like, really ultimately didn't want to be there, and their team was kind of falling apart. These guys are going to have the continuity of the group. He's, uh, he already knows Austin Matthews is going to be there. He knows Morgan Riley is going to be there. To me, the question isn't, like, are they re-signing William Nylander? It's going to be... If this fails, if this falls apart, will they trade Mitch Marner? Like, will they, like, will they, knowing that they had this ahead of time, actually decide to make that move? Or will they just decide, hey, we just got to get through one year of Tavares and then we'll have all these guys and hopefully Tavares takes a hometown discount? Like, I, I think that's where we're at with it. The problem is, is like, yeah, just now some of the, the money talk around Nylander is it's, it's so high. Like, it's, it's so, so much that I've seen from some people and they're like, just give them the money. And I'm like, all right, I, I understand it. I think that they need to re-sign him. But at this point where like, I, I just have to think that the price is up and I feel like you've already hit the maximum point of this, right? Like, I don't think that he can go up any further. Like, I, I think that this is, this is it. This is, he's at the peak value. He's already kind of proved it. If I'm the Leafs, I just, I ride this thing out and I, I get more information and I'm all knowing that at the end of the day, you're just going to have to pay this guy and extend him to what potentially already what is the, I say worst case scenario from a cap standpoint, which is like an 11 over eight kind of deal. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's the one advantage they have, right? Because yeah. the, the feeling is he doesn't want to do the Austin Matthews thing where he takes no. four or five years. He, wa- he, he wants this to be the Whopper contract and he can breathe and relax, not have to go through this again. So the one advantage the Leafs have is they can offer an eighth year. And if he's looking for, you know, a final sum, what the Leafs can do is give him an extra year to hopefully keep the cabinet a little bit lower. And the Leafs, not every team can do what the Leafs can do in terms of signing bonuses and massive amounts of money up front. So we can go right in the bank account and start earning interest. And then you have the fact that he does want to be a Maple Leaf. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and hopefully, you know, you get some small value. But I'm with you. Like, it, if, if you're Brad for a living, you're probably not picking up the phone right now. You, you're, he's, he's maximum leverage. He's the king mm-hmm. of hockey right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I just, like, I had Mike Kelly on the other day, and we were going over. I, I basically tried to do the, hey, let's see the underlying numbers here to this guy, right? 
hey, what is unsustainable? And right now it just doesn't seem like it's anything. Like he's shooting the puck more, but why Why is that going to change? The zone entry is the same. Every Like everything is that's matching up with the stat sheet seems is, and the eye test, like all of it is just incomplete sync. There's no real outlier stat here for him where you're like, oh yeah, this is going to drastically change. So yeah, I, I think that you're just riding it out. Okay, so... Uh, Two more quick things before you go. One is just because you touched on Sundin and you wrote about it, you know, his presence and, and you love the touch and everybody did, right? And it's just, it's a reminder of how special he is to this fan base too, right? Like if, again, if you're my age, you loved him. He was 100% your hero for so many people who grew up Maple Leafs fans. And you wrote that he's going to be here during All-Star Week, which I forgot was actually even happening here. Um, yeah. But do you think that he... Like, there could be some type of international role that does come for him. Like, a, a way of actually... Because, like, he's always going to be attached to the franchise like this. If they have an event in Europe, obviously he's going to be there. But do you see this connection in any way becoming an actual, you know, a, a real tangible business relationship again? Yeah, I think there's potential for it. And, and like, two big things. And, and one is he's got three young children, right? Mm-hmm. And he's heavily involved in his son's hockey and just wanted a few years to just be a dad. And he's kind of a, you know, you know, he's a captain of the Maple Leafs. He's not entirely low profile, but he is kind of modest and he's not mm-hmm. out there out and about all the time. So I think that's one of the things now that his kids are starting to get a little bit older. And the other thing to me is I look at Nick Lidstrom and he basically provided the blueprint. So he's a VP with the Red Wings has been, mm-hmm. I want to say maybe three years now, but he doesn't live in Detroit. He lives over here yeah. and has his normal lifestyle. But the, the allure of, of being more involved in hockey and being an official part of the Red Wings nagged at him enough after a while that he's fully involved and he's out scouting games. And, you know, he's there for a phone call when, Someone wants to, when Eisenman wants to bounce ideas off about who he should get or, or what he's seeing. Um, so I could see something more like that. Would Matt Sundin move back to Toronto? I, 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 I didn't no. get that feeling. Yeah. But I think this is a, a really positive week last week, him just being around the team. And it wasn't just to give them a pep talk and drop a puck. He was just in, you know, civilian clothes watching their whole practice from the stands, just kind of, you know, just taking it in. And then chatting with Elander after and, and just being around, just kind of soaking it in. And, you know, I think in the past, his appearances have been a little bit more brief, but he went to dinner with Shanahan and Trey Living and, and Keith um, and him the one night. So he's, I, I think this is a positive step. And I think Lidstrom, you know, laid out a blueprint that he could potentially take on down the road. I think it would be great. So, it would be awesome. Uh, I, like, how great is it that Elfreton's now yeah. back welcoming to the fold with the Senators? Like, he's such a big deal. He's an all-time leader. Yeah. And gold assistant points. Like, you need him. In- I, I completely agree. Uh, I don't think that there is enough of a presence from some of the great, like, Leafs alumni, the best Leafs alumni. You're never going to have him mm-hmm. here. Like, he's it's just, like, I, I talked to Peter Forsberg last summer. And we were talking about Matt Sundin for a little while. And there is, I, I will say, from hearing about his life, and the things Forsberg says, there's zero percent chance he's coming back to Toronto anytime soon. Like his life there, he's he's pretty happy with it. He's built a big house. He, like he's got the kids. It's just it's. I, I'm not expecting that kind of thing. I just think it would be cool to have some type of a role where yeah, there's a little bit more of a yeah connection to the franchise. The Lidstrom one, I think that that's the that's the good one. And I, I do wonder if something will potentially get announced or that they work on that to try to have that rolled out during All Star Week when he is here. Um, okay, so this is the the big question about the team. 
Do you actually feel as though, like, I, this This one was also in your piece. Quote, this is Matthews. It's one of those trips for me that you really come together as a team. You spent a lot of time together, and I think that we're ready for a couple of days away from each other, end quote. Uh, and he said that with, like, yeah, a smile on his face. But, yeah, yeah do, like, you're around this team a lot. Do you, did you see or did you feel some kind of a material shift in the way that they were interacting with one another or just, yeah, the, the overall energy around the team, the chemistry of the team, the off-ice feeling around the team? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, they all say it was a great bonding experience. I hope it was. I mean, I, I'm around them, but I'm around them when they're at the rink. I'm yep. not around them when they're <laughs> at the, having Mr. Dinner to me. You know, uh, I think one thing about the team, and, and I don't think it means they're clicky, but I do think the Swedes have always hung together, which is, just makes natural sense. And there's five of them on the team now, so they can all speak Swedish. And I think this is a great opportunity for the non-Swedes to kind of get a better understanding of what their life is like, what their culture is like, for those guys to step up and play tour guys a little bit. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. Time will tell. I, I think if they go on a run, we'll point back and say, oh, it was such a great bonding trip, their European vacation, and uh, Willie was the star, and they bonded, and they got to, to you know, spend extra time together. Um, and if it falls apart, then then we might spin it the other way, that this this work out that's just kind of what we do mm-hmm. but I, when Matthew said that I it was it was tiny right yeah, but I I think it's it, it's kind of like you know I love my family but if I'm with them for seven days in a row all day all night I might want a little break too mm-hmm. uh, okay so last one uh you wrote on Klingberg and then you go back to the fjords and the ice and the healthy people <laughs> the beautiful people and the fun um uh, quote from your piece uh, from John Klingberg. It's always been this way through my career, but I've been able to deal with it. And he's referencing an injury and work through it. But it kind of hit rock bottom here these last few weeks. End quote. Yeah. So he's skating, but he's in pain. He didn't play in Sweden, which has got to be the biggest sign. And like, I know he tried to kind of downplay the meaningfulness of him playing in Sweden. But yeah, I, f- flat out, you think he plays another game for the Maple Leafs? Uh, I think he wants to. I think he wants to get healthy to the point where he can. Mm. But it is the signs are bad. So he's, he, he participated one light morning skate, at, and that was after that that I got to talk to him. Uh, and he said that his mobility didn't feel right, and he felt like he was in pain, and I don't know if I'm going to play the next day. And then he tried uh, to practice, and it was like five or ten minutes into practice, he left the ice and walked off. Uh, this is concerning mm. and have to at least ask the question if, if we're heading to LTI with this guy, but the, the other thing is the player has to buy into that. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think he's a competitor and I think he, you know, he's a proud guy and he wants to get back playing. Mm. It's just, he said it's been something he's, he's been dealing with his whole career. And I think it was in 2014, he had double hip surgery and that, you know, no one, no one wants to, come out explicitly and say what it is mm-hmm. but that seems to be the, the speculation just because he's had those surgeries and you know that would align with what, how he's describing how it feels out there yeah uh you feel for the guy especially given that you know he was just a complete whipping boy for the few games that he did play here but yeah that's a tough one that's tough if he's like because so far they've had the guys like yeah matt murray seemed to willingly go to ltir i wondered if this was just gonna be like a more of a loophole situation where it was eh, he could play but the two parties are just they've decided kind of together hey take your money and be quiet about it but yeah reading your piece 
and yeah, hearing you talk about it now, it seems yeah pretty clear that he's heartbroken, that this is serious, and yeah, that this is going to be a little bit more complicated than maybe some of us thought it was going to be. Uh, Luke, thanks for doing this. Uh, thank you for feeling like some kind of way about the people here sending you there and you feeling like you had to do work. Like, you're very different than me. I would have been like, I'm so sorry my cell <laughs> didn't work. I dropped it when I went ice fishing and I, I just was unable to do anything. But yeah, man, enjoy the rest of the trip and safe travels back home. All right, thanks a lot. See you, brother. Bye. Luke Fox, senior NHL writer for Sportsnet. Yeah. I think, here's, <laughs> okay, all of us in Toronto, right, is very passionate about the hockey team. There's a reason why they use the, it's the passion that unites us, right? And it, why that stuck. People are like, yeah, it's a real thing. Klingberg's play 100% deserved criticism. He was bad. Here was some moments where it was just like down, just dreadful, dreadful, dreadful stuff. But yeah, when I was reading that and now getting the perspective of just the weight of the fan base when the guy's a whipping boy, the weight of the media scrutiny that comes when someone's a whipping boy, uh, and then seeing a guy go like, man, I was like really hurt. I've had like multiple surgeries and I'm just really trying to get out there and play the game that I love and couldn't do it. So I was like, ah, I'm sorry. I feel like everybody's, everybody's just got to take a big old, a big old, I'm sorry. All right, man. Hey, best of luck to you in your career. I don't think... Yeah. I hear what Luke's saying about the guy being better and wanting to get back out there and wanting to play again, but it's hard for me to envision that he ever plays for the Leafs again, just given that if he's this in this much pain and he like he, he's not ready to go play for the team. I, I don't the the delayed decision is a bit of a weird one. Like I don't know what to really read into that. The fact that just like they keep waiting and waiting and waiting to actually announce the decision. But based on this team's needs, which is very clear on the blue line, his cap hit his potential for LTIR and his injury. I just, I, I don't, I don't know how he ever plays for the Leafs again. Like, I, I don't see how, how that works. Like he goes on LTIR by the time, by the time he'd be potentially ready to come back, they've already replaced him. If he does want to come back, they're using him as a salary to go out the door for whatever trade that they're doing. And they're using some kind of sweetener to make sure the team takes that contract. Like what's the, I, I just don't see the path back barring some kind of real run of injuries to the Leafs lining up with him being healthy. Like it's a, it's a point of desperation for both sides. Like I, I just think that's where they're at. And, and, and it might've already been that he was playing in some of these games because the Leafs were so desperate for defensemen. Like, yeah, let's not forget what the blue line, like it's been Benoit and Lagasin have been fine in terms of filling in and sort of stabilizing things as a bottom pair. But there was a real moment there where those guys, the, the injuries were starting to rack up. And you went, holy crap, this blue line is really paper thin. And they're playing four guys. So kudos to him if he actually, like, you know, gotten it out and playing through the pain and trying to make something happen. But, yeah, I think that, yeah, I think that, I don't want to say his career is over, but I just, I think that his Leafs tenure is over. Anyways, uh, let's do a quick break. Let's come back. Uh, let's hit what we missed. By the way, weird thing, not no weird. It's not weird at all. But little wrench potentially for the Leafs. Calgary, five, one, and two in their last eight. Everybody kind of wrote that off and was like, hey, don't worry, they're going to blow up the season. Then you're reminded, oh, right, it's the NHL. There's a ton of parity here. Well, actually, it's just pro sports now. Everybody, Everybody's mediocre. It's hard to find the teams that are special. That's why, that's why I root for the Astros, even though they cheated 
I wanted to see them in another World Series going, hey, you matter. You're a team that actually has something different rather than the rest of it. Why I hate seeing the Chiefs have no wide receivers for Patrick Mahomes. I want to feel like you're watching something special, something awesome. I don't want, I don't want all the teams to be the same. But yeah, Flames being red hot. Uh, I think that does change. I, I don't know if it does, actually. I should just say I have no clue. But I wonder if it changes the math at all on some of their guys that were going to be available because we've basically been having it. Hey, they're going to trade all these dudes. And do I think that it probably still makes a lot of sense for them to try to sell high on some defensemen who are unrestricted? Is Zadorov definitely getting moved after requesting a trade? Like for sure him, right? But we had those conversations about Hannafin. Uh, I think it was Myrtle and I a couple weeks ago and how that's actually what Tron really needs. And the idea of pushing all your chips into the middle to try to bring in some good defensemen, some obvious upgrade defensemen, but not the ones that really like, yeah, more of what we saw last year when they brought in Jake McCabe, which was, Hey, this is a good player, but he's not a great player. And he's going to come with a lot of flaws in the postseason. Be nice to see them bring in like the actual stud, the, the stud minutes eater that you feel uber confident about when they're eating the over 20 minutes of ice time in the postseason. Anyway, um, I just thought I'd bring that up. All right. Armin was at the Christmas party. Hey, Drew didn't go. Did you work, Drew? Oh, uh, I had football. Oh, you had football. Yeah. Oakville, man. Sorry, oh, you guys. Are you coaching? Uh, no, playing. Flag? Uh, yeah. yeah, flag. Okay, yeah. I was going to yeah. say, I know you're, big, you're a big boy and you played like real football, but I was like, what's going on here? This uh, guy's carrying a bunch of uh, independents that pulled up. <laughs> yeah, I'm, also a, uh, I'm also a championship winning flag football quarterback. Not to brag oh. uh, two times, oh. uh, no big deal, yeah. Go ahead. Uh, but yeah, dominant. <laughs> Big dog. Yeah, very much a Chad Pennington type. Like, uh, <laughs> no huge arm strength, but just throws a dime. Beautiful spiral. Like, I'm going to put it on you. You're within 25, I'll dime you. You're beyond, it's a little, little shaky. <laughs> a little shaky noodle arm. Uh, anyway, uh, what we miss? So, there was this couple in London, England, that brought up what their restaurant menu said to them. So, I thought, it, I thought you would definitely like this one. Mm-hmm. I do love these topics. I eat out a lot. Like I, I go out, you know, I, I enjoy a good restaurant. So I feel like I'm in a good position. It's part of the reason that you live in the city. So I try to take advantage of it. But yeah, so w- what's the story? I've also never told you that I worked in restaurants for like eight years. But I think you did tell me that. Oh, yeah? Okay, okay. Yeah, but so, what did what, you do? Uh, I served and bartended. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah, Arm's a cool bartender. That works. That that fits who you'd be. You, can you make a good cocktail, though? Yeah, yeah. My, my, like, the shitty thing is... The what? Sorry. <laughs> the crappy thing is that look, my friends expect me to have the cocktails, like, ready now. But yeah. anyways, imagine you walked into a restaurant mm-hmm. and you opened the menu and it said, just tap water? Again, question mark? Yes, you can just have tap water, but please remember, we're running a restaurant, not a charity. Wink, wink. We need to make money. I think this is insane business practice. Um, I'm going to make this a little bit more general a second about, you know, the ways that I think restaurants do kind of try to guilt you or the way that they treat you. Just, all right. Everybody knows that you're a business, okay? No one's showing up and thinks that you're a charity. Although this does remind me that I did have a once great business idea of something called Charity Bar, which is that everything that you buy, a portion of the sales go to charity. And that it would be really a trendy place to be. So you feel good about yourself. You're going out and you're like, mm, should we get the nachos? It's like, well, 
a dollar of these nachos. Like it's a little bit more pri- overpriced, but that's everywhere in Toronto now, right? Like you speaking of cocktails, I love that one day fairly recently, like a couple of years ago, every cocktail in the city just automatically became f- like $14. Maybe. It was like, okay, uh, oh, I, th- this is just a universal price. Exact. It's like 14 to $21. You go to some places and they're like, that's a $22 cocktail. And you're like, it's just a little bit of booze in a glass, right? <laughs> some garnish that that's $22. Like, I, I saw a Twitter account I really like yesterday. Actually, Fullerman talked about how he feels completely taken advantage of when he's at a movie theater because it's like, yeah, there's, uh, what, I think it's the movie theater popcorn, the markup on it. I feel the same way whenever I get a cocktail. I'm like, okay. I, like, I, I shouldn't have to tip then for this because you, th- if you're taking in this on a cocktail in some of these bars, and you know the ones I'm talking about because there's a million cocktail bars in Toronto now and there's a ton of fancy ones and I love a cocktail bar. Don't get me wrong. I don't want to complain. But... These servers are grinding. The cocktail makers are working their asses off. And you go, well, I have to tip to the roof. Like, I have to tip this guy. This is, a fi- like, this is a actually a physically demanding job. You go to the cocktail bars where you only get the, like, two-hour table, where they, because they're just churning out people. They're like, get out of here, get out of here, get out of here. We're so busy the entire time. It's packed to the wall. You're accepting sitting at some terrible table in this bar because you just can't wait for the cocktails they're going to make. And they're delicious. But then they go, the cocktail's $24, and then also you better be tipping this, this guy because he was grinding for you. So there's got to be some kind of a, a break point between this because it's just outrageous. But yeah, um, there's two things There's two things to this. One is the idea that they did this and thought this would be a good idea and like make people read that and go, oh, this is just a, a lesson for business in, in general. When you try to make yourself with self a sympathetic figure and you're not really sympathetic, it, it's, it's a bad look. Don't do this. Don't do this. The idea that you would tra- say to your customers anything other than like, hey, thanks for spending your time here. Thank you for your patronage. And actually putting it as, hey, we're running a business on a charity. Hey, like, you should That's really crazy. respect being here a little bit more. I think it's, 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 it's a really stupid. That's kind of a one-off. That's not something that I expect to see like in other places. But I will say it does sort of speak to the attitude of the bar and restaurant business right now and since COVID, which is we treated them like, frontline healthcare workers it was like support your bars and restaurants support your bars and restaurants and everybody did that and they had to jump through hoops man i'm not saying it wasn't hard like i'm not saying it wasn't hard for servers i'm not saying it wasn't hard for bars and restaurant owners like what a grind tough horrible already an impossible business and it was made even more impossible and again some of the hoops that you'd like the regulations the inventory the, problems yeah dude like, everything it was a, things cold it was an absolute then... nightmare it was an absolute nightmare it really 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 was and people lost businesses. That's real stuff. That's awful, awful, awful stuff. But it really, there is now this attitude of every single place you go to, they're like, you're lucky that you're here. Mm. You're lucky that we even have you. I think that part of the servers leaving in general has affected the quality of service. Like some people just didn't come back. And so you saw a lot of new servers that are taking on jobs. And maybe they're just not good at it, but there's a lot of places that are just understaffed in general that you go to, and they've tried to kind of cut costs that way and have fewer people working in the bar or the restaurant than they should, and so your service isn't as tip-top. But, like, nothing drives me more insane than, and I, like, I've talked about tipping on the show before, but when I go to a place and the service is bad and they're clearly, like, they're not doing anything for you. Like, they're not. They're just, they are literally just, like, handing you the drinks. There, there's a dip in service, and then you get that machine, and the bottom option they have is 18%. Sometimes even 20 now. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, the bottom option they have is that. Like, it's nuts. 
And so I do think that a lot of this is kind of the culture of a place. It's like you used to go to a restaurant, you used to go to a bar, and people were like, hey, we're really appreciative that you would spend your hard-earned money here. Hey, we're really appreciative that you wouldn't just crack a beer, that you wouldn't go to the LC, and you wouldn't just go grab a selection of booze and spend, you know, way less, that you would actually come here and want to be in the environment. That there was more... To me, it's like the only thing that they're selling now a lot of these places is like, isn't it cool that you're here? Isn't it cool that you're at this cool place that was on some list on some blog TO article or something, you know, like made it to one of those TikTok. There's that, those TikToks that are going around of, uh, a lot. Re, no, the, the bars and restaurant owners that are like, what's the coolest underground spot? And they're like, this is my cool underground spot. And then people want to go there. And then those places do blow up from that stuff, right? 100%. Like they get a lot of business and people want to go there because it's trendy, because it's good for Instagram, because it's good for whatever. So they have these spots that are really hard to get a table at. But then you go to some of these places and I, I've, I've done the same thing. Like I'm still dating in the city. Like I take people out and I go to a lot of these spots. And you go and you're like, this place sucks. This is like, I'm spending $20 on a cocktail. I, it takes forever for me to get a new one. Like it, it's expensive in hell as, as hell in here. I don't feel welcome in any way. It feels like a lot of the places, especially with like the two hour time limit, they're like clocking you the second you're in there. There's no like, hey, welcome. Hey, chill out. Hey, it's like, hey, you're 45 minutes away from your time. Do you want to maybe like order? Do you want to get more right now? Do you want to give us more money right now because you're so lucky to be here? And then here's the bill and then get the hell out, please. Like hurry up, get out. Because like if you bought a, if you buy a bottle of wine to start, they might, they might give you a little leave. Dude, but that's, that's what I'm saying. It's just, it's nuts. It's, it's nuts right now. And it's. Like, there's like this smugness in the industry too. When you yeah. work in it too, it's like the table that gets two waters and orders like salad or dessert. It's like, yeah, people are talking. Yeah, do you think smack. I'm being unfair as a server? No, no. Most of the stuff you say is like, like true. I've never really had anything you've said about serving or restaurant culture that I've been like, no, that's wrong. And like, again, don't get me wrong. I, I appreciate, like I didn't work. I've never worked in a kitchen. I've never done a service job like that. Like I think I've done other like service, like I used to be a mover. Like I've done these kind of having a bad customer and having a bad day and being tipped poorly. But it's like, I, you know, remember the movie waiting and everyone was like, this is exactly what it was like to work in a restaurant. This is exactly the, the, probably not you guys because you're too young. But yeah, there was a movie called waiting. And I remember all my server friends were like, this is so much about it. Like, but it felt like a hustle and a grind. And it felt like, yeah, you were underappreciated. And that like, it really was at the time overlooked how hard the serving job was and that people did take it for granted and they did treat servers poorly and that you could get really stiffed on a bill and that, you know, you would be hustling your ass off all night long and it was all for kind of like nothing. And I don't know. It just takes, sometimes now I feel like we talk about like servers, like it's like firefighters. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think we've like, gone the other way. Yeah, the the so pendulum far. swung too like, far. The amount of people that are like, you know, the dating red flag, they're like, how I know you're an evil person is if you're rude to a server. I'm like, first of all, I've never seen that <laughs> because Literally. everyone's terrified yeah. of servers. But second of all is like, yeah, there's just no bar of decent service that you have to give anymore. The The customer is not always right anymore. It's just like the customer is always, you better bend the knee. You better be ready to do whatever it takes to satisfy your server. You better be cool to your server. You better be nice to them. You better tip that place. I, I just think the relationship is a little backwards. I, I really do. Um, okay, uh, off this for a minute because I'll, I'll do another sports thing. Didn't see, obviously, the entire Raptors game yesterday because I did go to the holiday party. The Raptors clearly made the right pick in Scotty Barnes over Suggs. Like, it's a no-brainer. The guy won Rookie of the Year, and he's a much better player. 
But this is why I was so enamored with Suggs when he was at Gonzaga. This is why I so desperately wanted him to be the Raptors pick. And I was wrong, like I was. I wanted Suggs. Scotty was the right pick. He is the right pick. You wouldn't even be close in a trade if Orlando picked the phone and was like, hey, we're thinking about something like, like the Raptors would be like, yeah, what else? Like plus, 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 plus. But I, like Raptors fans got a little window into what kind of a player that guy is. He is just a dog, man. Bulldog. He is just a winner. And that was the thing I always loved about him. It was like he was a football player and he was a basketball player. He's like a two-sport athlete. And one, if I was a GM, I would 100% be targeting the two-sport athletes always. I think like the professionalization of sports and all the stuff of like, hey, you've got to get into being an athlete in this sport. You've got to pick your sport by the time you're like 13 or whatever. I think that's insane, right? Like one of the things I love about Bo and I was actually, I was talking about this with Blair last night at the Christmas party. One of the things I love about Bo is like, he's a tennis player. He was awesome at two things. Like he learned other skills from playing tennis. I think like when you play other sports, you see the similarities and you see different, you just see the, the sport a different way. And it's something that I think is being a little bit lost in the way that we're now developing athletes. So A, I love a two sport athlete. And it also shows you that this guy loves to just ball. This guy just likes to compete. That's what it says. When you sit, when you have someone where it's like, man, it was really hard for me to choose the sport. That's like, okay, so no one was making you play this. No one was, you weren't just doing this because you were good. You were doing this because like any time you could pick up a ball and you could hit a court, you could hit a field, whatever, you were doing it. You couldn't wait. And that's the Jalen Suggs thing is he just clearly, like you mentioned it, the, 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 what the back-to-back possessions, right? Like close the game, like the, the two plays that he makes, you know, like, not too many guys in the league just do that at, with that consistency, right? And I, I've said this before about Hyman and how it just feels like Toronto has tried to fill the void of Hyman for a really, really long time, that they've never quite had that same energizer type that is playing in the top six. And at first it was like, oh, he doesn't have good hands. And like, you're looking at the weaknesses of a guy and then he goes away and you're like, holy crap, that's actually one of the most important things you can have on a team, especially now in modern day sports where there's just fewer and fewer of those guys. Let's be honest. There's not... Uh, uh, there's not a ton of Jalen Suggs's anymore in the NBA of guys where you feel like they're going to show up every single night and dig in defensively. Rip you. Yeah. R- like, yeah. Rip the ball out. Try to get up for every single block. Try to just play at 110% on every single possession. And like, I like Josh Hart's like that. Yeah. Reminds me of Josh Hart. But yeah, Josh Hart is like that, except for Suggs is just to me way more athletic and just like, he's going to be a, a phenom when it comes to his defensive play. He will be, he's just going to be a really good player for a really, really long time. He's going to have a, you know, I, I think this feels a little far, but I actually think that he's going to have like an Andre Iguodala kind of career where it's like, here's this super athletic guy that can defend multiple positions that does everything right. That's really bouncy that you don't feel great about the three, but is going to knock to have the odd game where he knocks down a ton of them and just is a big game player. Right. It, it just, I, I feel like he's gonna be one of those dudes, but the biggest takeaway for me yesterday from that Raptors game was the thing I had to get you guys to kind of shut up about before the show started. The magic have always kind of been in the Raptors pocket, like for a long time, right? For, for a while, it just, it's kind of like a, they, they got Weltman there and they, they just, you know, they would, they would grab T Ross. We'd make the trades with them. They did the Abaka trade up here. They beat them pretty handily. Remember they lost in 2019. They lose the first game to Orlando and everyone was kind of like mad at the way they lost, but then they just put Orlando in their pocket. And like for years, it was just like, you know, when Gasol was here, he dominated Vucevic and it just like, they were just one of those franchises that felt like they couldn't figure it out. 
since Dwight, since that year, they made the championship run. It's been a, they can't figure it out franchise. Yeah. Meddling. Yeah. And they're flawed and they're young. They're super young. And so they, they make like, I was watching them a couple of weeks ago where they almost blew a lead against a Utah team that just had some vets because they just, they were falling apart at the end of the game because they were like, Oh, just give Powell the ball, give Powell the ball. Like whatever. This is our whole offense is just trying to figure it out through him. We don't really seem to have a plan and the players are kind of crumbling and they don't know how to play together properly. And you know, Wagner is getting taken out of it a little bit too easily. I'm like, man, they got a lot of growing pains that they're going to have to go through. And you know who made the winning play at the end of the game? It was Jalen Suggs for them. Uh, but how, but the big thing that I'm getting to here is you can really feel like the magic of past the Raptors and, and just like a directionless team that you didn't feel like had anything going on. And was a lot of drafts of like Jonathan Isaac types where you went, what exactly is this? But they made the right move, which was they sold Vucevic high, which the Raptors have not done with anybody, right? Where they picked a direction and they said, yep, we've got a guy who wants to be here and he's a good enough player. He's a solid enough player. But yeah, Chicago, you want to give us what for him? Cool. Like, we'll take that deal. We'll take that trade. They started to pick a direction. They were like, we're rebuilding. We're going young. We're building around our young talent. And you're just starting to see the fruits of that labor where they've got a super young team with a bunch of, and it's funny because they've got a lot of what like the Raptors wanted, right? Which is a bunch of tall, long guys that can defend multiple positions and that are really, really tough to score on when they put their best defensive lineup out there. But yeah, it was just, it, it felt a little annoying to see the Orlando Magic get their act together and be what is like an exciting and competent franchise. And I like that because I, again, I grew up on Shaq and Penny. So I've always had like a little bit of an affinity for the Magic and I like I... I like them. I see their jerseys and it's almost aesthetically pleasing to me because it reminds me of like that nostalgia. But yeah, it's just, they're two teams in completely opposite directions. And they're two teams that coming into the season, like if you want to play the game where you're like, oh, well, the Raptors have time and you know, they want to, okay. But it's been years of this for the Raptors. And this just tells you about like how bad the murky middle is, is the Raptors are in the middle, but they were also supposed to be more competitive than that Magic team this year. Like they've got Siakam, They've still got OG. They've, they, they've got Scott. They've got the rookie of the year. Like, this isn't a team. They've got Yaka Pirtle. Like, they, they, they brought in Schroeder. This is not supposed to be a team that just, you know, is bottoming out and tanking out. And just to kind of see the Magic be so better positioned for the future, but also have a team that's just as good, if not better, for the win now. Like, that's the frustrating thing about this. And the more you see, because it's like, when you lose to the Milwaukee Bucks, right? You're like, yeah, yeah, whatever. It's the Milwaukee Bucks. When you lose the odd game where you team just plays like crap, like the game that almost happened with the Wizards, right? You go, okay, well, that's kind of a, that's a bad game, but maybe it's a fluky game and you're trying to find an explanation as to why it happens. The most frustrating ones for me are the teams that come in and like, or that, that beat Toronto that are like the magic where it's, well, you're not better than the team that was rebuilding and they've got just now almost everything better than you. How do you explain that? How are you not at least the the team that's in the middle that is tough to play against and winning a bunch of games and has a solid record, but like you're supposed to be at least around and above 500 and another game drops. So congrats. They can beat the Pistons. They can beat the Wizards. They can beat the, the Spurs. They had one good, one really good game this year. That was Dallas. Like the, the game against Minnesota was fortuitous timing. I'm sorry. It really was. And the, the, the win against the Bucs was when the Bucs were kind of in a tailspin and they just like ran out to a huge lead in the game and then they just never really recovered. The Bucs kind of sat down and quit on it. So yeah. Um, Rap should look at them. They could be stuck in the middle for 10 years too. Yeah, I just, yeah, that, 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 was a, that was a really, like looking at the box score and looking at the highlights this morning and just watching it casually in the bar 
I was, I was just kind of sitting there with some real frustration over that one. I think that's only going to continue to build the more that they have those experiences. Anyway, subscribe to the podcast, leave five stars, do all those things, and we'll see you tomorrow. Yeah, finally, Robert Murray, we're going to get him on and talk about a lot of these Blue Jays rumors. Uh, we'll see you then.